0: Have you recently heard someone say, God told me such and such? You know, it's common language and uh, in and around the church and it's sort of dangerous language too because a lot of damage has been done following those words. And so it raises the question of guidance, of hearing from God. And I think for some people, maybe having seen the damage or um, the questionable character of someone saying that or whatever, the temptation would be to back away and think God doesn't speak, God doesn't guide. A lot of times people will say, the Lord told me, and they won't tell us how they heard. They leave out the detail of, well, tell me like audibly, like he said, Mike, I'm speaking to you now, or if it was something a little more circumstantial, or how does it work? It's not really explained oftentimes. And, um, and so I think there's a lot of confusion around this and reluctance to embrace the guidance that the Lord has given and gives. Now, we're in a series this summer called "Sent: Living the Mission of God. And the only way to do that is with his guidance. And I want to um, make the clear statement that nothing has changed since the book of Acts until now with one minor exception that is actually in our favor, and that is simply that we have all of the letters that were in circulation in the day bound in one book. We have the canon of scripture together. But aside from that, the same things that were present for the apostle Paul and his companions are present for us. The cross had happened, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, and the coming of the spirit, and we're in this church age. It's exactly the same. The mission is still the same. Go and make disciples of all the nations. And the Holy Spirit has never left us. He is here with us. So my main point is that the Spirit of Jesus is always guiding. The Spirit of Jesus is always guiding. And I say it that way because in the text from Acts 16, he is called the Spirit of Jesus. Let's not Uh, misunderstand something about the Trinity here. The spirit, I think the reason that he calls it him, the spirit of Jesus is because Jesus went to the father to send the helper. So that's why he's the spirit of Jesus. He's the one that Jesus promised would come. He is here with us. He is guiding always. Now in Acts chapter 16, again, we have to do a little geography. And I think there is a map, if you'll put that up there. Um, I drew on this map to kind of give us an understanding of what happens here. This is the second missionary journey of the apostle Paul and his companions. He starts out down in the lower right hand corner, which is the the Syrian Antioch and he goes kind of in a counterclockwise circle. He goes up between where I wrote A and B. And his thinking was, let's go back to the churches where where we had proclaimed the gospel and strengthen them. And they go out on this missionary journey. And once he gets up to sort of the other Antioch, the one that's the Pisidian Antioch, which is right in the middle of modern day Turkey, they think, let's go down into what they then called Asia. Where I drew that big A, that's A for Asia and B is for Bithynia. If you think Asia is like India and China and the Far East, that's what we call Asia. Back in the Roman days, there was a province called Asia, and it was literally only as big as that A right there. It was basically Western Turkey in modern modern geography. They said, let's go down into Asia, because then Paul, thinking strategically, thought we could preach the gospel to the, those in Ephesus and the other cities around there. But in this text, it says... And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, in A. All right, so he doesn't tell us how. Like, how, how did the Holy Spirit forbid us? I don't, I don't know, but we don't have that here. But clearly, they can't go in there for some reason. And so, then they attempt to go to Mysia and up into Bithynia, into the B area there, northern Turkey today. But then it says... And when, when we attempted to come up to Mysia um, and into Bithynia, the Holy, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. So Troas is right on above the A there. It's on, it's a coastal city. It's right on the water. They went there. Now, while they were there, the apostle Paul had a dream in the night. And in this vision, he saw a man from Macedonia. Macedonia is where that arrow is up at the top. And, the man from Macedonia said, come and help us, come and help us. And Paul woke up the next morning, shared this with his companions, and they concluded that the Holy Spirit was in fact calling them to go across the water and bring the gospel into Macedonia. Pretty impressive how that guidance worked. There, was, there were two prohibitions and then a call. And this was the first mission trip to Europe actually, what would become the European, you know, Christian, Christian center for global mission started here. The Holy Spirit said, nope, you're not going to Bithynia. You're going to come over here to Macedonia. And then eventually Paul would go all the way on to Rome in his third missionary journey. And in his third missionary journey, he would go into this Asia and go to Ephesus and all those different cities. See, the Holy Spirit was guiding this whole thing. And it's not uncommon for a person, especially in missions, to think uh, this makes sense. I'm going to go share the gospel here, only to find that the Lord says, you thought you were going there, but I'm actually sending you here. In, in his book called The Acts of the Holy Spirit, A.T. Pearson gives a quick list of a couple of missionaries. He says, Livingstone tried to go to China, but God sent him to Africa instead. Before him, Carey planned to go to Polynesia in the South Seas, but God guided him to India. Judge Judson went to India first, but then he was driven on to Burma. These are some of the, from some of the stories and accounts of pretty well-known Christian global missionaries. They set a plan. I'm going to go to this people group, and somehow they were guided elsewhere. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, is always guiding. All of his people, all the time. Not just the Apostle Paul, not just famous global missionaries, all of us all believers are missionaries. You are a witness to the gospel and the Lord is guiding. Now here's the trick though. God doesn't always give us a clear word like we'd like to hear it. Listen to what he said. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to go to two other texts here. I'm going to go back to numbers and tell you about what happened when Miriam opposed Moses. They decided, Miriam decided, well, why does God only speak to Moses? Doesn't he also speak to us? And the Lord addressed this directly. In fact, he called them to come to the tent of meeting in a big glorious cloud. His presence descended. And then he said, I want to talk to you. And he said this, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Now there's a discipline thing going on there that the Lord's doing. But notice what else he's doing here is he's explaining something to us that's helpful. For prophets, for others, the Lord gives riddles, visions, dreams. Moses was unique in that God spoke mouth to mouth to him, told him verbatim things like here are the Ten Commandments and gave the wording. He was very clear and direct and lest you think that's just an Old Testament thing and it's not somewhat similar uh, still today, listen to what the Apostle Paul says when he's talking about the charismatic gifts in worship. Tongues, prophecies, words of knowledge, all these different things. He says, and this is a famous passage that's often read at weddings, but it has little to do with weddings, actually. It's, it's about corporate worship and the gifts being used in the church. It's from 1 Corinthians 13. He says, Know fully, even as I have been fully known. Keep in mind, a mirror was not like the glass mirrors we have today. It was usually like a, a piece of metal that was polished. And it was a bad reflection. We only see dimly. The Apostle Paul is describing something about how the Lord speaks to us. There is an, there is a, an element of un- lack of clarity. And I think that's by God's design here. Because some will press in in faith and ask the Lord to clarify. Others will just dismiss it. Even Jesus' teaching was like that. He spoke in these parables so that some would press in and get more, and others would not. And I think that's still how he teaches us today. There is, in this passage from Acts, that kind of guidance. Somehow the Holy Spirit restricted them. It could have been circumstantial. It could have been a feeling. It could have been a number of different things. It could have been an audible word. I mean, Jesus had spoken to Paul audibly on the road to Damascus, but then it was through a dream. And through a dream, he heard this, this call to go to Macedonia. So, what I would like to do to make some application for us and understanding of God's guidance is I want to tell you <clears throat> three stories, and they are dangerous because a personal story is always memorable. You'll go home and you'll remember the stories, but if you don't remember why I told you the stories, then I failed. So I want to try and connect three important things here about these stories. And I'm going to tell you what the three things are, I'm going to tell you three stories, and then hopefully um, make a quick application. The first thing is God's guidance is not only negative, it's also positive. It's not only circumstantial, it's rational, and it's not only individual, it's corporate. Those are the three things. So here, let me begin with not only negative, but positive. In this passage, there were two restrictions. You can't go into Asia, you can't go into Bithynia. But God doesn't just say no. They're just like standing there. What are they gonna do? He then says, come over to Macedonia. So in your life, God's not gonna just stop you from doing something. He's gonna call you to something as well. So people, and, and I've been in ministry long enough that people have come to me and said, I think God's calling me to quit my job. I've actually heard that on multiple times. And I said, he might be, but he doesn't just call you away from something. Why? What is he calling you to? Don't quit your job until you know what he's calling you to. So there's a negative and there's a positive. There's a restriction and an invitation. God is guiding. The spirit of Jesus is guiding his people. And so we say, the Lord told me. People have asked me how it was that I was an engineer and now I'm a pastor. And I I would say something like, the Lord intervened. I could say God told me, but I find that I want to qualify a little bit to invite people to consider how God might be leading in their lives. So in my case, what happened in engineering was we were living in Chicago. I was working for a big um, construction company as a construction engineer. My wife had just finished her uh, master's of education after two years and we didn't want to put any kind of roots down in Chicago. And so we thought, let's go back to Pittsburgh. And they had a company uh, office there, that's where I was hired, and I put in request for a transfer. And um, six months I was praying and waiting. Come on, Lord, I, I wanna, we wanna go back there. And it just wasn't happening. It was, like the Holy, it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, no, you can't go into Bithynia, you can't go into Asia. No, you're not gonna get a transfer in engineering. But see, it's not just negative, it's also positive. At the exact same time that the six-month period had come up, it was summer. My former youth pastor, Jerry, was coming through Chicago on his way to his parents' farm in South Dakota. He had a van full of kids, and he said, can we stop and sleep on the floor in your apartment? You're kind of halfway. So he pulls in, he brings these kids. My wife was actually done with school, so he actually stole my wife, and they went, she went for a week on the mission trip. And... Right before that, he said, what's going on with you? And I said, well, I'm trying to get back to Pittsburgh. And he said, I've got a job for you. I just had an intern back out that was in our intern program. It pays $12,000, it's full-time, it's an entire year, no other benefits. (laughs) And then he took took Heather to uh, South Dakota and left me alone in the apartment for a week in a job in a city I didn't want to be in to wrestle with that. And I made the decision, Heather and I, You know, we prayed and thought and and talked about it. Made the decision to take it. So I resigned from that job thinking that my company was going to catch on with another big project somewhere in Pittsburgh, and then I could just jump back into engineering there. They had lost the bid on the convention center in Pittsburgh, which is what they would have needed dozens of engineers. And the best they could offer me was something down in West Virginia. And there was enough of a backyard bias that I was like, I will not go to West Virginia. (laughs) Clearly, the Lord is not in that. And so I took this internship, and you know, the funny thing is, I never looked back. I just started doing ministry as a, as a junior high youth ministry intern, and it just went from there, and the Lord just continued to lead me. But see, there was, a, there was a prohibition, and then there was an invitation. It's not just negative, it's also positive. That's the first point. And the same thing was true for the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago. Now, the second thing is it's not only circumstantial, but it's also rational, When Paul and the others get this vision and they start discussing it, it says, uh, verse 10, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding, concluding, I underlined it in here, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Do you know how Dan got here? A couple years ago, we did a Wednesday night thing called Storytellers, and Dan and I told this story, but many of you might not know it. When Trip Prince, our associate pastor then, accepted the call to go to Texas, I really didn't think he was gonna do it. He he and I had been praying and talking about this for a while and I really was surprised when he came in and said, so we've we've come to a conclusion, we're going. And I went, you're my right hand man, you can't leave. But the Lord, you're the Lord's, so I can't hold you. Um, and, I, and I went that week to the Lord and said, what, what are we gonna do? You know, Tripp was our contemporary worship leader. He was my associate pastor and he was doing all of our AV tech stuff on the internet. He was running our website, our communications. He was holding three jobs on our team, basically. I went to the Lord and said, what are we gonna do? What, what are you gonna do, Lord? I, I need help. Well, several years ago, prior to that, I was at a conference and I ran into Dan. He was in my youth group many years ago, and I hadn't seen him for, I don't know, half a decade probably, I would guess. I'm in this huge procession of all these clergy going up to this worship service, and Dan was sitting there. He saw me, and he came up to me after the service and said, hey, I haven't seen you in forever. What's going on? We sat down, had a cup of coffee, talked through some things. It turns out he was in ministry. He was at a church in Columbia, South Carolina, Church of the Apostles. He was in seminary and was married, or about to be married at that point. And he was already married. And Carrie was about to finish nursing school. They, had, um, they, they, were, they were making plans and doing all sorts of stuff. And I, I got home and I sent him an email. And I just said, hey, it's so good to catch up with you. Let's stay in touch. And then I, and I didn't hear anything back and I promptly forgot about it. Well the week the trip left or told me he was leaving and I started praying about this Dan sends me an email that goes like this Hey Mike I just got your email from 3 or 4 years ago It was hung up in our church's server and it just came through What's going on So I get in touch with him and find out he's quit his job He's planning to go up to Boston where Gordon Conwell's main seminary headquarters are and he and his the plan was Carrie's going to get a job at a hospital and put me through my last year of seminary and I thought no she's not <laughs> instead how about you come down here where there's even a hospital named Wolfson's I mean come on Clearly the Lord is in this. There's a Gordon-Conwell branch here. You'll have a church, we'll pay you a stipend. You can come be an intern. We'll help put you through your last year of seminary, get you ordained. And then I thought, and if you're good, we'll keep you for a while. (laughs) Now, is it fair to say, God told me? I I think it totally is, right? It's not just circumstantial, it's also rational. We thought through it and it made sense. It, it, It wasn't just, it wasn't written in the sky. The Lord didn't give me a word that said, I'm sending Dan Wolf to you. We looked at the circumstances. We reasoned together. It made sense to his family and household and where they were. It made sense to our church and what we needed. And we went, the Lord has spoken. Come on down. And that's what happened. It's not just circumstances. It's also rational to think through this. All right. Now, the third thing is that it's not just individual. It's corporate. So Paul gets this dream in the night, man from Macedonia, come over. And then it says, they, we, it goes into the plural, we concluded. They got together and they thought through this and they came to a conclusion. Now, here's my third story. Several years ago, I felt like the Lord was telling me I'm changing the church's name. I was sitting over there. We were doing morning prayer. We read from 1 John where um, Jesus actually changes Peter's name in that interaction. And I... And it was Andrew that had brought Peter to the Lord, his, you know, and the whole thing. And I felt like, yeah, God's changing our name. I got this very clear, strong impression. And I made the assumption he's going to change our name to St. Andrew's Church because I know a number of St. Andrew's Churches that I highly regard, and it just seemed to make sense to me. But that was me individually. I got the first part right and got the second part wrong. But it's not just individual, it's corporate. So I began to share with the vestry and some leaders and then with the whole church and I found a a surprisingly strong reaction to what I thought we'd call the church and instead an incredibly spirit anointed clarity that we're going to be called not New Grace Church anymore, but Grace Anglican Church. And to my surprise and delight, I never got, I, I didn't get a single complaint. 500 people come to this church on a Sunday. Not one person said, bad idea. I mean, The whole church just went, this is what it's supposed to be. It was not just individual, it was corporate. I got part of the message, but then the church got the rest of it, and it was clear, and it made sense. It still makes sense. It's not just individual, it's corporate. So I've told you three stories here. Me going out of engineering into ministry. Can you remember why? Did you write it down? (laughs) I wrote it down. It's not only negative, it's also positive. He shut down an opportunity to work in that company and opened up another opportunity. The second story I told you was, it's not just circumstantial, it's rational. I told you the story of Dan and us reasoning together with all the circumstances. It was circumstances and it was reasoning together. And we went, okay, this is what it is. And then the third story about the name change, it wasn't just individual, it was corporate to be shared with others and discerned in the body together. Now, here's what to do with these three things. One, expect the Holy Spirit to guide you. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. Recognize there are a number of ways this happens. It could be through a dream. It could be through a word. It could be through a scripture verse given to you three different times in a week. It could be through something someone else says to you. It could be through circumstances. He uses all sorts of things to guide. The Spirit of Jesus is guiding still. To this day. He's guiding you. So expect it. And then the second thing is obey it. If you think he's telling you something, act on it. You'll find out then if he is. Act on it. Obey it. May we be a church that listens and is guided. He is leading us in this mission. We don't have to figure it out by ourselves. Thanks be to God. Jesus said, I will send you a helper. And the helper is here with us and guiding this church corporately and each person individually. So let's listen. Let's obey when he speaks and to God be the glory. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that you have not left us alone, but your Holy Spirit is here with us. Lord, would you open our eyes to behold? Would you open our ears to receive? And would you give us the courage to follow? I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.